Coming to you from the HagmanReport.com studio. Located in the Keystone State, birthplace of a mighty nation, it's your host, Doug Hagman. Welcome to Hagman. It is Tuesday, December 13th, 2022. A lot of information to get into. I want to thank you very much for your belief and trust in this broadcast. Thank you for your support. Without your support, we would be nowhere. Um, tried desperately to get a contact on the ground in Brazil on um didn't work out for this broadcast uh they're gonna try perhaps we can slip it in as a pre-record again um later uh or an additional piece of uh piece of information but things are happening in brazil things are happening in peru things are happening in the middle east you know the world is aflame and um it's pretty interesting the timing of everything that's uh, taking place right now meanwhile as the world is uh, fighting, countries are fighting again. You, you've got you've got such a volatile situation in Brazil. You've got Peru protests are persisting in Peru with demonstrators demanding Congress uh, members of Congress there resign. Um, you've got uh, Turkey getting uh, spunky with Greece. Greece, not too happy with Turkey. you got Turkey getting even more spunky with Syria. I'm going to tell you what. Uh, I, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. You know, there are so many hot spots, but I believe World War III, a third world war, will break out in Syria. That's where... That's where things are going to happen in Syria. Okay, that's my view. That's just, and, and I've maintained that. Damascus, the biblical uh, passage about Damascus being being a ruinous heap. I'm telling you right now, things are heating up there as pretty much everywhere. Meanwhile, we have Joe Biden. You know, look, you set up a uh, Toys for Tots type of event. And, you know, you pay a visit as the head of, well, the most powerful person, most powerful man in the world, allegedly, right? And you make an appearance there. What, What happens when you make an appearance there? No one pays attention, number one. And number two, you abscond with kids' toys. 16 seconds of embarrassment. Let's start off with that because I saw that and I thought, you know, this can't be right. It can't be. But hey, you know, Bo's son. And again, nothing against children. But parents who can afford, especially given, you know, Burisma money and all that, CCP money, you can afford to buy toys for your kids, not take it from a from a toys for tots type of arrangement and walk out with them. Or, or perhaps he just thought it was Christmas Day. I don't know. It's his Christmas Day. Oh, these are the toys I want. You know, go play with these. Watch this. So the radio people can't see this, obviously, but he's he's got two toys. He's carrying two toys. He's walking through a crowd. Now, granted, there are secret service people around. You can identify them, obviously. But is this the most powerful man in the world? Is is this the best America can do? Merry freaking Christmas, people. Uh, Eric, what'd that look like to you? Did that look like you wanted to... Uh, was he going to take those home and play with them? I mean, I, I don't know. Looks like. 
I'll tell you, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. All right. So so much for um, the funny slash or humorous slash embarrassing stuff. Let's get serious, all right? Um, I'm going to start closer to home. This The southern border is really starting to bother me and, frankly, hack me off to no end, all right? And here's what I think. I think that we could form posses. That's right. This is my idea. And you know what? Take it for what it's worth, all right? I'm not threatening anybody, but wouldn't it be something if we formed posses and just had posses stopping the people from coming across the border, southern border? Do you realize how many people are coming across the southern border right now? And Title 42 is still on effect until, well, the 21st. Again, Merry freaking Christmas. I'm going to show you this. This is from the um, House Judiciary Committee. You're going to see this one more time, but... uh, Go ahead and play this, and I'll talk over this. There's really no sound to it. Um, What you're about to see, this is our southern border right now. By the way, Kamala Harris is the border czar, right? Doing such a great job, and and that uh, Karen Jean-Pierre, the uh, black lesbian spokesperson, Spox for the White House, saying that everything is under control. There's there's over a thousand people here. If you're listening to this and, and video hobbled, just, just imagine a Walmart in Chicago on Black Friday. I mean, minus the merchandise, of course. Well, there's fires there, too. So I guess you can imagine... Um, Portland or Washington, you get the idea. I'm not. I'm not going to try to make anything funny of it. This is a humanitarian crisis, and it's a humanitarian crisis brought on by this regime. This regime is responsible for this. Every single bit of this. We have numbers that are are just absolutely staggering in. Um, by the way, folks, if you go to HagmanReport.com, open up the program description box for today. All of the source videos, cited videos are there. You can get them. All right, let's go to video number three. Um, speaking again about the southern border, Chad Wolf, the former uh, DHS uh, deputy director, and then director briefly, um, uh, Biden has no intention of bringing sovereignty back to the southern border. And, and here's the thing, uh, and, and I've got I've to really make sure that people really understand this. That, that there's no intention about securing any of our borders. Our borders are wide open, and that is to create this North American Union, right? Canada, Mexico. In the United States, that's the intent of the power structure. But to give you an idea of how bad this is, because again, I was looking for numbers. I could I could throw charts up. I could throw numbers up. I could do a lot of things. Rather than do that, allow me to play all or most of a clip from Maria Bartiromo talking with uh, Chad Wolf about the lack of sovereignty of the United States. And there are numbers that she references, along with some additional video, that video, and more. Go ahead, clip. uh, This would be video three in the show prep. Uh, Illegal migrants, meanwhile, surged at the southern border ahead of the end of Title 42. Look at this group. This is the biggest group we've ever seen. Next week, uh, Title 42 will go away. But look what happened yesterday. Over 1,000 migrants crossing into El Paso, Texas on Sunday after Mexican police escorted and released nearly 20 buses full of migrants 
to various non-government organizations in a Mexican town near the U.S. border, right near Juarez, where we had uh, a live program a couple of years ago. This program originated out of Juarez, uh, El Paso, uh, across from Juarez, rather. The El Paso sector also seeing more than 2,600 migrant crossings in a 24-hour span from Friday to Saturday. But this picture says it all. This is what is going on at our border. Lines of people wanting in, getting in, and then blending in with the population. Joining us right now is former acting DHS secretary and executive director at the America First Policy Institute. Chad Wolf is here. Chad, when you look at that picture, a thousand people in one shot. I know that it's been seven, eight thousand people a day overall, but they're in different areas of, of Texas. But this is in one spot in El Paso, one thousand people. What can you tell us? Well, Maria, thanks for having me on. Those pictures and those images are the story of the Biden administration's failed policy. That's what a failed strategy looks like, those images specifically. Their strategy is cruel, it's inhumane, and it's jeopardizing national security at the end of the day. They have no intention of solving this crisis. They would have done that. For 22, 23 months now, we continue to see these illegal apprehension numbers continue to skyrocket. As you indicated, they're at 8,000 a day, and that's before Title 42 uh, goes away. After that, after the 21st of December, you're likely to see those numbers and those images increase because, again, there is no strategy in place. The administration should be looking at measures to enforce border security and send a signal to the cartels, the human smugglers and traffickers that it's not okay to continue to push thousands and hundreds of thousands of folks across that line. But they, they have no intention of doing that, unfortunately. Well, I mean, you know, obviously anybody overseas who wants to come here, have babies here, have their family here, now's the time to do it. They know it's wide open and they will get away with it and they'll just blend in and they could cut the line of all of those people who've been waiting for a year to get a green card. And you mentioned really something very critical, and that is these drug cartels. I'm told they're taking home $300 million a week. These massively dangerous cartels are the ones who are making the decisions of who comes into America and who doesn't. And yet National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan facing questions over the end of Title 42 did not have many answers. Watch this. Uh, are there national concerning concerns over the Title 42 expiration? So the team has been working very hard to ensure that uh, we are taking steps to be able to manage the expiration of Title 42 and to put in place a process that will be orderly and humane. And we believe that in doing so, we can protect our national security concerns. So, so what is this, Chad? Is this just gobbledygook? What exactly are they doing working hard when we just saw yesterday 1,000 people come in? Or getting getting ready to come in. Well, I think I, yeah, the two words that he continues to use that we that we hear from this administration now for almost two years is orderly and humane. And what they don't talk about is actually protecting Americans and bringing some uh, sovereignty back to our borders. That's what they're not talking about because again, they have no intention of doing that. So, whatever they're working on, they're hard at work. They talk about on Title Forty Two. Uh, it's great. Where's it been for twenty two months? They talked about a plan, uh, Maria, if you recall, back in April. Uh, sort of forecasting when Title 42 would go away, and they, they outlined the six-point plan. That six-point plan, I think this is important, talks about nothing about actually enforcing the law along that border. It just simply talks about managing the crisis, trying to process more and more of these migrants into the country quicker and quicker and faster so that we don't have lines and they're not at shelters. Well, if you do that, the cartels and the traffickers know that you're doing that. And guess what? They're going to continue to send more and more of these individuals to the border. So the plan in place and the strategy that they have, if they don't change course, is going to continue to get worse and worse, particularly after Title 42 goes away. So I think that's what's the most concerning thing. If you're a Border Patrol agent on that line and you've been in the middle of this crisis for almost two years, you don't see an end in sight because you're not hearing a strategy from your political leadership in this administration. Well, I mean, look, Jake Sullivan has his talking points. Karine Jean-Pierre has her talking points. But the reality is the pictures that we're watching right now. Look, you were the DHS secretary. I want to get your take on something. Why was it that the Mexican police 
were taking all of these people in all of these buses. So what's going on with the Mexican police? I thought that the Biden administration had to deal with the Mexicans, uh, that they were going to help stop this. So that's one question. And the second question is, what kind of benefits do these illegal migrants get when they are in America? What kind of pressure or money is being spent on them to the detriment of American citizens who might need that support? Well, it's a great question on the Mexican authorities. What they were doing escorting those buses, I think, is anyone's guess. Uh, but the problem is that the Biden administration is not putting enough pressure on the Mexican government to do more. We saw that during the Trump administration. We put immense pressure on them to step up to the plate. Look, they don't want to do this at the end of the day because it's easier when you have these hundreds of thousands of folks traveling through Mexico. They don't want them to stay in Mexico, but that puts a burden on their government, their facilities. They are happy to let them flow all the way to the United States. So you've got to get Get serious with the Mexican government and hold them accountable. Make sure that there are consequences for them not doing their job at the end of the day. Regarding benefits, when these individuals come in and they're released into American communities, they're all eligible. Most, if not all, are eligible for work permits and for some set of benefits all provided by the American taxpayer using, using our resources. Uh, the administration knows this. They know that there is an immense amount of fraud in the asylum system. They have no intention of fixing this. And why do I say that? Because you see those images and you see the numbers being released into American communities wow. every day. And we know that the vast majority of them, 85 to 90% will never qualify for asylum. But we also know that this administration will never remove them because they have given instructions to ICE officers not to remove these individuals. Uh, yeah, so can, what is Democrat California Governor right Gavin? All right, so um, you get the idea. You can watch the rest of that. HagmanReport.com, you can pick out that clip there. It's, it's going to be, the link is there before you. But just consider that the chief of the U.S. Border Patrol reports that there have been over 16,000, look at this, 16,000 migrant encounter, encounters at the border in the last 48 hours. That's an average of 8,000 per day. And you remember Jay Johnson once said that 1,000 in a day would be a crisis. We're at eight times that right now. There you go. Okay, so this is deliberate. I don't see any, really any of our lawmakers protecting our sovereignty. Again, you've got an assault on our, on our um, borders. You've got an assault, in addition to that, on our language because of this culture. You've got an assault on all aspects of our country. And, and this is compliments of the power structure behind the puppet in the White House. There you have it. All right. Some good news mixed in the muck and mire. Remember June, June 22nd, roughly, of 2021. Um, there was a uh, Loudoun County, Virginia, a father was arrested at a school board meeting. Um, his daughter was assaulted in the female bathroom, in the girls' bathroom. Okay, follow me on this because this is a this is something that you and I, if we are to win anything at this level, this is where we can win. Remember, the process is the punishment, right? So, we can turn the tables on these, these slugs. But re remember this. And, and I'll tell you something, okay? If this would have been my daughter, you know what I would have done. And Eric the Tech, I know what he would have done, okay? We have bail money set aside just in those instances for Eric the Tech. Because if this ever had, and by the way, it's not going to happen because he's made sure. Well, I'm not going to get into it, but the fact is, you've got this culture. And remember what Andrew Breitbart used to say: politics is downstream of culture. So you've got this culture rot, compliments of the Chinese Communist Party slash Marxist slash Frankfurt School. Um, 
uh, you know, the the entirety of the uh, of the Marxist, socialist, communist framework, an attack on on our culture. So you've got you've got boys with raging hormones identifying as girls. Now, I, I'm not speaking directly about this incident with respect to this perpetrator, but that's essentially what you've got. Or you, you've got boys given puberty blockers um, with or without the consent of their parents in various school districts. But, but here's the, the biggest issue about that. The school districts heretofore have not been held accountable for their covering up of this crap. Okay, so you had a guy, a father, who sent his, sent his daughter to school. She goes into the girl's laboratory. This boy, adolescent boy, identifying as a female goes into the bathroom right after her or at the same time as her, sexually assaults her, and the Loudoun County School District, no, you know what? We're not going to do anything. Well, yeah, we are. Scratch that. We are going to do something. We're going to transfer that, that, that trans student from that school to another school within the same school district. Where, surprisingly, he does it again. What do you expect? Now, this is dad. This is video, um, this is video four. This is dad expressing his, I'm sorry, this is dad right after he expressed his displeasure his objections at the Loudoun County School District meeting. He said, look, this isn't right. And I'm going to hold all you guys accountable. Well, remember FBI, remember DHS, they don't like it when you complain. No, you're the terrorist. Hey, you know what? You better have some tolerance for your daughter being assaulted in in the girls' room. You better have some feelings towards that trans kid. And more importantly, you better not raise your voice at us, Mr. Parent or Ms. Parent, because we are protected by the, the, the process of the FBI, by, this, um, by, by the fact that you are the domestic terrorists. So, so Dad expressed his displeasure. Because he got no answers. He got the runaround. The school district, the school board did nothing to satisfy this this family. I can only imagine if that was my daughter. You know. So he expresses his displeasure on the 22nd of June of last year. Let's watch how the school board handled that. Here it is. Dad's at the podium. Dad now is... This. The Loudoun County Sheriff's Department. Is attempting to convince Dad that it's okay to have his daughter sexually assaulted. It's okay. He's the intolerant one. So we got one, two, three. Deputy sheriffs on top of dad there, including a female. Let's see. Yeah. One, two, three, four. And, and, and there's a room full of parents having a belly full of this crap. 
Okay, remember how I said that there's going to be a little bit of good news wiggled in here. Go to page two in the show prep notes. Or, uh, I'm sorry, no, page one. Go, go to page one. Because this explains it. Sorry about that, Eric the Tech. Uh, this explains that Loudoun County father arrested the school board events as he tried, says school tried to cover up daughter's bathroom assault. This kind of explains the story. And you can go to, in, in the Hagman Report show notes, you can go to go to this and you can read this, go back in time. And uh, if you scroll down just a little bit, Eric, uh, on this, if you don't mind, the parents just sick of sick of the policies, including the trans policy and the CRT crap that's, that's going on. And you can read this article. Basically, it says, look, we're sick of this stuff. We're not taking it anymore. And we're tired of you folks. Okay, now we'll go to the good news. Page two in the show notes. Page two in the show notes. Loudon, former Loudoun County superintendent indicted amid probe into sexual assault response. So you got two people, by the way, indicted. This is from the Washington Times. Former Loudoun County superintendent indicted amid probe into sexual assault response. Basically what this says is, you know what? They didn't do anything. They lied. This individual lied and really covered up, covered up what really happened. So we do have some victory here. Now, the second part of this, I suspect, will come in the form of a civil suit. We must do, and th this is my intent, okay, the, if, if we band together and support fathers like this, support our parents like this, who say, no, no, we're not going to put up with this crap. We're not going to have drag queen shows in uh, on our tax dollar in our schools and hold each and every one of those school board members civilly and criminally responsible for their actions. We can take our school system back. The, the, the ultimate would be not to play in the sandbox, homeschool. That's why Skipper.io is a great thing. Um, homeschool, homeschool, or uh, co-ops, uh, school co-ops, or or some other. But certainly don't take part in the indoctrin indoctrination centers, government schools. That is something that, uh, quite frankly, we cannot afford to do. So I believe, I believe wholeheartedly. We can win, but we have to, A, not play in their sandbox, and B, if we are in their sandbox, play even harder than they play. And by that, I mean make our process their punishment. All right. You know what? It's the holidays. Boy, I'll tell you what, for a victory, that didn't sound like one, but no, it was. But it's, it's the holiday season. I don't know how many days till Christmas, but not that many. And how many of us are still shopping online? Today's episode is sponsored by PayPal Honey, the easy way to save when shopping on your iPhone and or your computer. I'm telling you, I use PayPal Honey. And I'll tell you what, I am saving a lot of, of money. A lot uh, I. It's hard for me to believe that an application can be so simple that even I can use it. Plus, I can even save money because I don't like to shop for Christmas. I don't like to. I don't like to spend money. Uh, and, and the other thing I don't like to do is I don't like to price com compare prices and shop or you know look around for uh, promo or coupons and all that stuff. Okay, I, I do it at the grocery store, but man, I just don't like to do it online. Well, thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon co codes is a thing of the past. Honey is a free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one. It finds to your cart. Yes, it does. So how does it work? Well, just imagine you're shopping one of your favorite stores. When you check out, the Honey button appears, and all you have to do is click Apply Coupons. Just wait a few seconds, but a bing, but a bang. If Honey finds a working coupon, you can watch the prices drop. And, you know, uh, I, I had to get some things, okay, that really, unless I drove 
uh, across the country, I, they didn't have it here. And it was some electronic devices. I saved, oh man, three, $400 on one purchase because you might say, well, man, that, that must have been like 10 grand. No, no, no. It was actually a substantial amount off. And the reason it was, honey, um, you know what? I, I, I might have, it was about $210, 215 is what I did save off the normal retail price. I don't want to overstate it, but I'm going to tell you what, that's a lot. That, that I mean, how, what can you do with that money? You can do a lot with that money. So, and honey also saves you on your food delivery as well. We save, we order in during staff meetings and uh, we use honey all the time and we save a lot of money and it's so easy to use folks. Did you know? that you could save even more when you ask Honey to keep track of price drops on your holiday shopping list. Did you know that? Ah, it's amazing. If the price drops on anything on your list, you'll instantly get an alert to let you know. That's right. If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out. And you are. Let me tell you, you are. And by getting it, You'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this broadcast. I'd never recommend something I don't use myself. Get PayPal Honey for free at Join Honey. That's J-O-I-N Honey, H-O-N-E-Y, all smushed together. Joinhoney.com slash Hagman. Two N's on Hagman. That's joinhoney.com slash Hagman. Two N's on Hagman. You'll thank me later, as always. All right. You know, we have a lot of issues going on with in, in Brazil. Bolsonaro supporters are clashing with police. As I told you earlier, I was trying to get a um, someone on the ground there who is watching all of this. And let me tell you something. Okay, communications are sporadic. Um, there's a lot of things going on right now. But on your screen, if you're listening to this by audio only if you go to hagmanreport.com either on we'll go to hagmanreport.com and watch this on brighteon or rumble and by the way subscribe to both please and give us a like thumbs up rumble up or whatever you you know whatever the case might be um but subscribe because you'll get notifications of our show but but here's the thing look at these images okay these are bolsonaro supporters and you can loop this or re, re, you know, redo this. These are Bolsonaro supporters who are attempting to go by the Constitution. Because what is going on right now, and I showed you this earlier in the week. People, the, 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 the lame stream media here in this country... They're not reporting on any of this. You take the Trump 2020 presidential election and pretty much compare it to Bolsonaro versus Lula. That's right, Lula. And uh, that's kind of what happened. Except Brazil's constitution has uh, Article 142, I believe it is. And in that, the military may, in fact, uh, and is required to, when, when uh, ordered, to audit the machines, because these are all machines down there. The, the military, apparently, uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly what's happening, but, but the fact of the matter is, that's not happening. So the Bolsonaro supporters are saying, wait a second, you guys aren't playing by the rules. Now, if you look at this, Compare this to what happened on January 6th. Now, somebody, somebody may say, well, you know, no one got shot during this. Well, yeah, I'm not even sure. I'm not sure, but I'll tell you what, there's a lot of stuff on fire there. Um, Brazil, and, and think about this. Why Brazil? Why after... This time with Bolsonaro, who is a make Brazil 
great again or keep Brazil great again candidate. Why is he being pushed out in favor of Lula, the communist? Well, I can think of one reason. Brazil supplies one-sixth of the world's food supply. And, and you know the other thing that really bothers me is last week, and I mentioned this before, mentioned this yesterday, Jake Sullivan, National Security Advisor to, you know, Mr. Potato Head, Joey Two Scoops. He went down to congratulate Lula before the election was even certified. And the, the certification was scheduled for December 19th, moved up to December yesterday. December yesterday, how's that? Um, because they know the truth. But, but what, what's going on? It is the George Soros, Bill Gates, World Economic Forum's policy, the Committee of 300, the Trilateral Commission, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Club of Rome. It is these groups that are, go, that, that are doing this internationally. What are we seeing right now? We're seeing years, a couple of years now, of crisis after crisis after crisis. But where is the mainstream, lamestream legacy media on this? Where? Nowhere to be found. No, everything's cool. Jake Sullivan goes down. Photo op with, with uh, Lula. Biden shaking hands with Lula. Previous file photos, of course. A communist. And there's something called the, the Sao Paulo Forum. Folks, I asked yesterday, and I'll ask again today, do your research on the Sao Paulo Forum. This is a group that was formed after the fall of the Berlin Wall, the fall of the Soviet Union. Uh, this was a group that was um, created by Fidel Castro, I said Fidel Castro, not Justine Castro, but Fidel Castro. Not his bastard offspring, but I digress. With Lula. And, and then, as I mentioned yesterday, again, I, I want to drive this point home. I just find this very interesting because to me there are no coincidences. You know that Victor Bout that was released, right? The merchant of death, as they called him, sent back to Russia. Well, in addition, in addition to supplying arms to Russia, he'll supply it to the highest bidder, arms to the highest bidder. And one of his customers happened to be the Colombian Revolution Army, the uh, FARC. And, and I mention that now because what we're looking at is um, what we're looking at is a war, internal, external, but a war, a war within Brazil, and a war extending from Brazil. Because not only that, just just in case you haven't heard the news, and I'm sure that. Uh, Walter Cronkite, if that uh, slug was still alive, he wouldn't be talking about this either. But there's protests in Peru because there's social, un the, 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 there's political shenanigans in Peru. And, and if, if you want to go to the video, this is video six in the show prep. This is what's going on again in, in Peru. It's 44 seconds long, but there's no audio to this. I'm going to talk over this. There are protesters and protests that are persisting in Peru with demonstrators demanding congressional representatives resign. Why? Because they too have fouled their elections, their election process. 
gee, isn't it coincidental that you've got stuff happening in Brazil, now Peru? I'm going to tell you this. If, if Brazil goes down, there will be, you will not see the bottom to what happens. You will not see the bottom on this. Well, not to be left out, let's let's talk a little bit about the Middle East because, you know, as I mentioned at the onset of the show, I believe that World War III, you know, with all this stuff happening between Russia and Ukraine, yes, there's some very big potential for some nuclear conflict there. But let's not forget about Syria. Remember Syria was at the epicenter of all things Benghazi. And I can hear, I can actually hear when I say that, the the eyes of the, uh, I want to say globo homos. Okay, I, I don't even know what to call them, the, the left. I can, I, can, I can hear their eyes rolling back in their heads saying, oh, not Benghazi again. I'm going to tell you, Benghazi was a big deal. The loss of American life in Benghazi, the attack in Benghazi, but 10 years ago, right? That was all part of the arming the rebels in Syria to overthrow Assad as a prelude to the Arab Spring. Let's not forget about the Arab Spring. And Barack Hussein Barry Satoro, smoke me another, another one of those uh, fatties, Obama. Let's not forget about what he's done or what he did in the Arab Spring and what the, oh, ever so classy John O. Brennan did as well in Egypt with Mubarak and, and company. Remember all of that? Folks, where we're at today does not happen overnight. Okay, and, and th this was set up by Obama. And I would even say right now, what you're seeing in Brazil with the machines and the fact that Bolsonaro is really saying, hey, I, let's audit the vote. And, and Lula saying, yeah, right, right, we're going to do that. No, I don't think so. See you later. We are at the at the cusp of, of just a, a huge, a huge global conflict. And part of that is Turkey and Greece. If you haven't heard about this, and chances are you haven't, back in November, there was a bombing, and uh, Turkey was uh, held responsible for this bombing. Video 7 in the show prep notes, Turkey launches airstrikes near U.S. base in Syria. Did you hear about this? If not, why not? There are things going on between Turkey and Greece, Turkey and Syria. Okay, Turkey and Greece about Syria that are, are destined to really make perhaps a nuclear conflict more inevitable. Watch this. This is a, a news clip about Turkey launching airstrikes near the U.S. base in Syria. Watch this. Breaking tonight, there are growing concerns that one U.S. ally may be about to launch a ground attack on the other. And this could have big implications in the fight against ISIS. Chief National Security Correspondent Jennifer Griffin is live at the Pentagon to tell us who we're talking about here and why it's so serious. Good evening, Jennifer. Good evening, Brett. This is not the Turkey that U.S. national security leaders hope to be talking about on the eve of Thanksgiving. But as we speak, NATO ally Turkey says it plans to carry out a massive ground invasion into Syria, targeting the very same Kurdish groups the U.S. military has partnered with and relied on to fight ISIS in northeast Syria. While we continue our air operations without interruption, we will land on top of the terrorists by land at the most convenient time for us. The day is near when those concrete tunnels, which terrorists use for safety, will become their graves. Exclusive interview with Fox News moments ago, the top general for the Kurdish-led Syrian Defense Forces, General Mazloum Abdi, said his forces, the SDF, would no longer be able to help the U.S. fight ISIS because they are facing Turkish attacks. 
all of our forces have to be on the border and uh, borders and the front lines uh, thinking about protecting our people. Uh, so we have to we had to stop this uh, this activities alongside the international coalition. Uh, we had no choice. Turkish mortars, airstrikes and drones began targeting Kurdish positions in Syria and Iraq in the wake of a November 13th terror bombing in Istanbul, which Turkey blamed on Kurdish groups. General Mazloum said the bomber was from ISIS and warned Turkey is using it as a pretense to ethnically cleanse the Kurds. Turkish warplanes struck a military base that the U.S. military shares with these Kurdish fighters. The U.S. has relied on the SDF to do the ground fighting against ISIS and for intelligence to target ISIS leaders like Abdu Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. In a strongly worded statement tonight, the Pentagon said it is deeply concerned by the escalation. Quote, recent airstrikes in Syria directly threaten the safety of U.S. personnel who are working in Syria with local partners to defeat ISIS and maintain custody of more than 10,000 ISIS detainees. There are about 900 U.S. troops okay. on the ground in Syria. You can, uh, thank you. Did you get all that? Oh, man, did you get all that? So you've got NATO countries fighting NATO countries. You've got U.S. forces teaming up to fight ISIS, getting hammered or almost getting hammered. Yeah, I, I, got, I got that. All I want for Christmas is peace, I guess. I, I, I don't know. But did you get all that? And if that's not enough, Greece, they're not too happy. They're not happy at all. This is page four. Um, check this out. Greek foreign minister slams Turkish leaders' missile threat. You see, Turkey said, well, we're going we're gonna to bomb you essentially, and I'm boiling this down. We're going to bomb you. For really, these are for all political reasons. And uh, Turkey said that to Greece. Greece comes back and say, that's not cool. Don't be talking like that. For all that news, to untangle that flipping mess. And again, the origins here, if you look and you read, you've got to read these links that I provide for you because you will see the Obama factor here. This really all started with Obama and Clinton, the Clinton State Department and the Obama White Hut. That's where this started that, and, you know, frankly, this is why when Donald Trump took the presidency, why everyone was having a meltdown, because this would have been five, six years ago. Unbelievable. Closer to home and kind of winding, winding things down here. Let's not let's not forget about um, what's taking place with the. Serious adverse events and death reports for major COVID vaccines. That's right. I said vaccines when I mean slab jabs. According to VAERS, as of December, and I'm looking at the, at the report right here. This is from Epic Times. According to the Vaccine Adverse Reporting System, as of December 2nd, 2022, a total of 906,544 adverse events adverse events have been reported regarding all approved COVID-19 vaccines. You could see it right there, right there. So think about this. And they're not vaccines, okay? They're, again, slab jabs. So anytime you hear me say the word vaccine, it's from the either the article, the author, or the moron who uh, is talking about this. 906,000, look at that, 906,544 adverse events had been reported regarding all approved COVID-19 vaccines in the U.S., including, and let's not minimize this number, 
nearly 16,000 deaths, 15,584 deaths. Show this to Aunt Martha, who is double-masked and, you know, triple-boosted. These COVID-19 vaccines have led to more adverse events reports in VAERS system than all reports made in the past three decades. Yeah. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, due to various issues, including underreporting, I, I mean, even if this is under, uh, even if this is overreported, Schnikes. Holy Schnikes. The actual numbers of different adverse events may far exceed the numbers shown in the various system. And, and you know, I, I, see, I see reporting like this and then on social media, and then, and then I see bots or people without brains saying, well, you know, VARES, it's, it's a voluntary reporting system and there's no way to authenticate. BS, okay? It was good for 30, it was good for all of that time prior to COVID-19. Now you're slamming this. Okay, the numbers were, were there. Now you're slamming this. You're just scared is what you are. And I'm going to just continue briefly here because this article, in again, this is Epic Times. This VAERS was, and, and this is important to really get into. VAERS was started back in 1990 as an, in an outgrowth of the 1986 National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, okay? As America's monitoring and early warning system of vaccine safety, VAERS is jointly managed by the Center for Centers for Disease Creation, or CDC, and Prevention, right? And the FDA. I just can't think of anybody better. So are you telling me you don't trust the CDC and the FDA? Is, is that what you're saying when you attack VAERS? Anyone, such as vaccine recipients, their parents, guardians, medical professionals, vaccine manufacturers, and the general public can submit a report on vaccine adverse events to the VAERS system, as this states, whether they are mild or serious. However, VAERS cannot prove the um, causality between a vaccine and an adverse event. Well, they can't, but they can if they investigate. And that's their job to investigate. Now, serious vaccine adverse events may include emergency room visits, deaths, oh yeah, deaths, life-threatening side effects, permanent disability, birth defects, and so on. And then it goes, goes on to talk about the limitation of the VAERS um, system, including the serious, serious issue of underreporting. And, and one last thing from this. The Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare Study conducted from 2005 to 2009 after the administration of, get this, 1.4 million vaccines, only less than 1% of adverse events had been reported to the VAERS system. In addition, several independent analysts had estimated that only 2.5% of COVID vaccine adverse events are reported to VAERS. So you think about those numbers and you think about how incredibly insane this, what they call a vaccine is. And, and th this is really a good report. This goes into the various, uh, the various vaccine uh, uh, types. Um, I, I'm not going to go through the entire, again, you can uh, find this, go to hagmanreport.com. I'm not going to go through all of this, but here's a chart here you can see. From the vaccine, um, the name of the or the company administering the vaccine. If you look at this, whether it's Pfizer, Moderna, uh, Johnson Johnson or Janssen, no, uh, Novavax, the bivalent, the in other words, the combination of flu and your COVID nineteen, and uh, Moderna, which is also a bivalent vax. Total doses administered, all adverse. Events reports, serious, and then there's a column of deaths. Leading the pack in deaths, of course, is Pfizer. The Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine marketed under the brand name 
community. The Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine is produced by German company BioNTech. Just so you know. Please read this and share this with your family and friends, those people that you care about. Meanwhile, yes, what did I do this morning? I, I got to tell you this. I spent the morning... Um, I spent the morning in some heavy reading. And when I say heavy reading, I really don't mean that. I spent the morning going through, get this, the deposition of Anthony Fauci. Now, in case you don't know this, Fauci is being sued by, by the AGs of Missouri and Louisiana. So he shows up for a deposition. 446 pages, I believe, not including the exhibits. Um, so I'm reading through this deposition. He said he didn't recall some 174 times. Uh, if Eric the Tech, if you don't mind, before the end of the show here, before we run out of time, if you can post or put up the PDF, can we do that? I, I don't know if we can. It's in the attachment section. And folks, you can find the PDF of the full deposition online. Okay. So if you go to page 30, where am I at here? I want to pull this up because this, I, I, you know, I looked at this. I'm thinking, wow, Would you, just wow. Um, this guy doesn't know squat. Apparently, uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe we should give him a pass because he doesn't know anything. Um, let me pull this up in my key here if you go to page the top of page oh there you go okay the top of page 30 again let me pull this up in my in, in my uh okay um and i thought this was really interesting how this uh some of these answers and some of the questions all right let me go to page 30 myself By the way, he did tell a court reporter who had uh, allergies and was sniffling to put on a mask so he didn't catch COVID-19. The hubris of this guy, right? All right, so this is interesting because starting on page 29 and going through page 30, there was a question by the plaintiff. Is it your understanding that anyone at the National Institute of, well, NIAID, authorized any research under this pause. Remember, there was a pause back in 2014, roughly, 2012, 2014, in the gain-of-function research. Remember that big brouhaha with Rand Paul and all that? Well, and Fauci saying, no, no, we didn't do any gain-of-function research. So, Pay attention to this. And I've read so many depositions. I've given quite a few depositions and I've attended even more. So I do know my way around a deposition. I know when people are squirrely and I could tell that Fauci squirrely doesn't even begin to describe him during this deposition. Um, the question is, was there a moratorium in effect? Is it your understanding that anyone at NAID authorized any research under this pause during the years that the gain, the moratorium, the gain of function moratorium was in effect? Again, and then uh, there was an objection. If you know, his answer. My memory is vague about this. Now, now you, we can put a period right there. My memory is vague about this. Excuse me. There, there was a no, no, we don't do this, and your memory is vague? <sighs> and then he threw a few other people under the bus. If you go to page 37, he seemed to throw uh, Hewak and Kloss under the bus just a little bit. Um, Hewak and Kloss is his deputy, was his deputy, uh, is his deputy at the... Uh, oh, I guess I, I guess that's that's not where uh, Ogden Kloss came in. Anyway, but that was uh, he, th he kind of threw him under the bus. But also on page thirty-seven, do you know whether Peter Daszak had access or 
or is in possession of data generated by Shi Zhengli, the bat lady, pursuant to their research together, including the genomes of the coronaviruses? This, I thought, was a really important question. And this, these are just two, okay? And the answer is, well, I don't know really for sure, but I would imagine, I would imagine it to be true, but I don't know. I can't recall. Folks, do yourself a favor. Read the uh, entire Fauci deposition and tell me what a friggin' hero that guy is. Hagman out.